This is Larry Weissin, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Killin' Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killin' Sticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killin' Sticks where the blood trail begins. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. On this week's episode, we're going to head again north of the American border to Canada. I'm very excited. I've got a woman who's making a great difference in the sport of hunting and bringing women into the field and just bringing people into the field and being a great role model for the industry. I've got Amanda Lynn Mayhew on. Amanda Lynn, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Great. I've been very excited about uh, getting you on this episode and uh, getting on the show to talk. You've got a very interesting background and past. Have you always been into hunting? Tell me a little bit about what led you into hunting. Was that a family thing? What led me into hunting definitely was a family thing. I was born and raised in a remote town in northern Ontario, so even further from the American border. And my dad constantly had me out and my mom and my sister would tag along and we just you know we went fishing we went camping my dad went hunting I went with him for grouse and and yeah it's just always been in the family my mom's dad so my grandfather was a huge hunter he used to guide for moose hunters for even the Americans that would come up would track my grandfather down to take them out on their moose hunt so it's always been in the family so there was no such thing as the, the concept of an anti-hunting community really didn't exist. No, and neither <laughs> did this whole gender thing. It was just people hunted. That's right, and that's all I knew. And when I had actually moved to southern Ontario in my 20s, I never thought anything of it. I honestly just thought that people hunted. That's what everyone did. It didn't matter if you were a girl or a boy, and it didn't matter where you lived. So... When social media came out in 2007, and I just, you know, you post your daily or weekly or monthly projects or whatever you're doing, right? And I was um, posting that I was going moose hunting or bear hunting or bird hunting or whatever it was. And people that were my actual friends already knew that and they didn't say too much. But new friends that I was making in southern Ontario were kind of like, you're doing what? And you're going, and whoa, what's going on? You're a girl. You're going by yourself? You know, kind of those comments, which I was just, what are you talking about? Like, what's the problem here? And then I, I started working in a gun store. What I noticed was that girls were starting to come in because they actually had a girl behind the counter which made them feel more comfortable to get in and come in and ask questions about hunting and firearms and just want to be able to get into it. The whole time, I'm still like, why is this an issue? 
why does it matter if you're a girl or if you're a guy? You yeah, know, you just like hunt. it just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you just hunt. A hunter is a hunter is a hunter. You shouldn't be a huntress or a a male hunter. It's just be a hunter. You know. So I I just became aware of of all the needs that the industry was in demand for, and that you know we can talk more about this later on. But Range Day and Ontario Women's Hunting Association all became some of the projects that I developed because of this whole gender thing. And not even just the gender, but the hunting in general and firearms. Like, I've met a ton of males who hadn't shot a gun before, didn't know how to hold it properly, you know, all those things. So for me, my passion is educating, mentoring, and I love hearing people's hunting stories. I love sharing different adventures, and I love being able to show people how, you know, how to scout for a deer, how to load a shotgun, how to, all of that stuff makes me feel really good. My family was into hunting to a degree, not huge, but they were in, they would do it. And it's amazing, you grew up with somebody would have their shotgun in their car at school, and that was not a big deal to where the environment has changed now, uh, such a fear of a firearm when there really shouldn't be that fear there. So I, it's fantastic that you spend so much time on education. Yes, and I raised my boys the same way that I was raised, not knowing and be different, right? Like, you, you, what, how you're raised and, and what's instilled in you as a value and a moral is just, it's it's automatic, it's habit, it's just how it is. And then you pass that on to your children and then they grow up with those same things and they pass it on to their children right so then it just keeps snowballing and it just it's a good thing you mentioned something let's spend some time talking about the ontario women's hunting association which if i understand right is an organization that you started yes start i founded it probably 2011 same same time frame as range day and it was just it was the same it's free. There's there's no fee for it at all. It's just a community, mostly a website and a Facebook page where women can feel comfortable asking any question whatsoever in regards to firearms and hunting. And we just have a lot of fun with it. We can, you know, um, have had the concept and the ideas to take girls hunts if they've never been before. I'll take you out. No problem you know, given that you have your, your proper licensing and such. And then Range Day kind of developed within Ontario Women's Hunting Association. So basically it's just a, it's a group for women to be able to have a voice, an opinion, and be able to ask questions without intimidation. And they just, been nothing but fantastic. So. Cool. And does Range Day take place, is that a yearly event? Range Day is a little... So when I first started Range Day, back about seven years ago, I did it twice a year. And then I did it three times a year. Now I'm up to I'm up to six times a year and actually on the road. So I'm, I'm actually taking the event to different gun clubs now instead of just concentrating on one. So it's getting bigger and bigger. And, and, and I don't know exactly what I do different from other... Because since 2011, there's been a lot of ladies' events, right, pertaining to firearms and archery and, and fishing and, and kind of all that stuff. And everyone does it their own way, and it's fantastic. And I think lots, 
there should be a lot more opportunity to involve women and children in, in stuff like that. Uh, and I don't know what makes mine so successful. I really don't, but it is. It sells out in a matter of days. I only take 30 women. I do a one-on-one mentoring. I try to spend a few minutes with every girl that comes through. Everything from pistol, shotgun, rifle, and archery. We have unlimited ammo, unlimited questions. I do a little bit of a funny, interesting seminar. It's always different at the beginning of it. Sometimes we bring in special guests. And now people are demanding it at other gun clubs across the province. Now, is there any idea of opening that up from just, say, 30 women to going across both men and women in the in the event? Or are you looking at doing two separate events? So I've been asked to cater to men as well. I haven't really... I haven't really sat down to see how that would work because where I am right now in Southern Ontario, 90% of the male population already knows how to hunt and, and have their firearms licensing and stuff. There's a small percentage of men that have asked me to run the events specifically for men, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if it will be as successful. I don't. I could try it. Maybe I'll get some feedback and see how far it would go. You may need to look at the gun clubs in the larger metropolitan areas to get enough of a, a mix for what you like to do. That that could be really interesting. It could be another great avenue for you. We've got the Ontario uh, Women's Hunting Association and the Range Days. Mm-hmm. You've built all these brands, and then it segued into you also have a TV show. Can you talk with the listeners? Because so many of the folks that listen to this show are from the States, they don't have direct access to your show on Wild TV. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, man. The TV show, yeah. So season one, only female Canadian hunter to, to host a TV series, which is pretty incredible. I'm pretty, pretty proud of that. But the show basically shows the way I was raised. The show basically exposes the way that I was taught to hunt. So it's very first episode, I'd go back home to northern Ontario in a small town called Manitowoc. I'd bring my son with me and we do the, the Ontario Spring Bear Hunt. The very first Spring Bear Hunt that I've ever participated in because it was shut down for so many years. So I went back home and actually it was a very emotional filming because I just lost my mom six weeks ahead production for that particular episode and that's where, you know, that's where I was born and raised and grew up and that's you know, where I became who I am, and my mom was a big part of that, and she she was gone a couple weeks before we started filming, so it was kind of a big deal. It turned out excellent. It captured the emotion and the hunt and just everything that I stand for so well. Um, If you ever have a chance to watch the very first episode, it's very different than any other hunting show out there, and actually all the episodes that I'm doing are completely different. They're full of humor and heart and passion, and there's there's no script. And I'm telling you, if you were to follow me around for a couple of days, the craziest things happen to me. You just you can't help but laugh when you hang out with me. It's insane. So all of those things are captured in in every episode. There's not, you know, it's not 17 hours of Amanda in a tree stand looking for a bear. Like I'm, it's it's so, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun and. On one of the episodes for season one, 
I actually am taking out of what I know, which is big game hunting, bear, moose, deer, and I go waterfowl hunting. And I am not a waterfowl hunter by any means. And we just had so much fun filming. It was three days. We did duck. We did goose. We did take the bows out and do a little bit of deer hunting. But just just an incredible adventure. We had the Argo and if you have a chance to watch that one too, it's probably the most humorous one to date. And I just had so much fun doing it and and being myself and just sharing all all of that with, with everybody is so much fun. Well, and it's neat because a lot of hunting shows, they edit all that out so that it's it's a very nice looking production and it's a very neat looking show because it's 25 minutes or 24 minutes of, of the hunting but anybody that's ever hunted knows stuff breaks as soon as you go out in the field. Stuff challenge you get challenges more than just the animal you're hunting. And so to see all that is a very refreshing it's not a real common filming aspect. So that's pretty cool that you're doing that. Did you see the first episode? <laughs> it sounded well, like you my cuz my truck broke down how many times in that first episode? It was funny because I Did didn't you know see that. The, yeah, I didn't see the whole episode, but I saw the snippet that you have on your website where you talk about we're headed <laughs> out, but I got to go have the U joint fixed, and then we we're not we got to go out to my buddy's bear stand and and he's out there checking batteries on it, and it's like that's exactly what happens. It's never this smooth thing where you walk in and here comes uh, Mr. Bear with a target on him, and boom, he's dead, and then you take some pictures and and off you go. There's always the little things. Right? And that's the thing, that that was the thing. I mean, I've been asked to do TV so many times, and I always said, no, 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 because I don't want to do it that way. And they let me be myself, and they let me, they, they just let it happen. And it's what is exciting, because every single hunt that I'm on is a challenge, and everything that I do is an adventure, and, and they capture it all, and it's real, and it's awesome. And that first episode... I mean, everything that could go wrong with my truck went wrong with my truck. My wiper fell off, my tailpipe fell off, my U-joint broke, you know, like just, oh my Lord. It's like, hell, I need a new <laughs> and truck. And then, exactly, I got one now. <laughs> <laughs> well, a newer truck. And then being set up, the biggest thing about that is that when I go back to Manitowoc and I do my hunt, I rely on myself. And my dad, my parents used to, they lived there up until two years ago. So my dad would go out and he'd start the bait for me and, and do all that, which was awesome. But I brought my parents down south and I had to rely, this was the very first time I had to rely on someone else to actually get out there and bait for me. And I had used my buddy's stands the year before and we we harvested two bears off of those stands the year before. And this year, I, you know, it was no problem. I'm sure you can use the same sands. Absolutely. When I get up there, I found the first sand not a problem. But the second sand, it took me probably four hours of walking back and forth on this road, trying to find this tree, trying to find the trail for the tree stand. And do you think that he could have said, oh, by the way, I took that stand down. It's no more there. <laughs> and when you go from spring to spring, those trails that aren't smashed down, they grow up. So you can't, you know you're not going to go and maintain it they'll grow over and you'll and you won't find it so everything that i thought looked like it was supposed to and it did and i'm i'm, I'm an ex i'm better in the bush than i am in the city but he yeah he just he didn't tell me it just wasn't there anymore so i'm like well that's why i couldn't find it because it just didn't exist 
and there's just so many so many different things that happen all the time and that was probably one of the biggest reviews I've gotten from the first episode is that oh my god like everything that happened to you actually happens to a hunter in in the snippet on your website you you go now where's the stand and he goes it's right there and I'm like okay there must have been some backstory which is what you just gave so that that makes a complete sense so yeah it's, it looks like a great <laughs> show and you've got the show on the traveling with the associations and if anybody goes out to amandalynmayhew.com and I will have links to this in the show notes you are all over the place for appearances I yeah I, I am I love meeting people that's probably the biggest highlight out of all of this that has happened to me and all the popularity and recognition that I've received being able to be a part of different um, trade shows and concerts and and anything that allows me to meet more people and listen to their stories is the is the best thing. I mean, I go and I do the Toronto Sportsman Show, and it's five days of you know sixteen, seventeen hour days because it doesn't end when the doors close. I mean, you still have meetings afterwards, and you get to meet you know, industry leaders and, and important business meetings that happen at these shows. And it's just incredible and and just in energetic on every aspect. And I just absolutely love it. Completely exhausted when it's over. But oh, sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah. As And this year alone, in 2017, I went back-to-back on the road, I think for seven shows, six or seven shows I was um, speaking at and all the way from Nova Scotia back down to Southern Ontario, up to Northern Ontario. It was six shows in a row. That's it was a incredible. Big, a lot of driving. Exactly. That's a big chunk of territory to cover. As we talk about the show, this is the first season of it. It's on Wild TV, but is there anything for folks that are not in Canada? Is there any way for them to watch full episodes uh, through websites, through YouTube, anything of that nature? Absolutely not. Um, unfortunately, until the and there there might be now maybe on Wild TV on their website. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I know until the actual quarters are done, they're not available in full until after that's done. So I I think the only way you can watch them is on Wild TV. Can you not subscribe to Wild TV from from the States? Uh, I don't believe so, but there there may be options that I'm not aware oh. of. Uh, I thought that was Canada only. Hmm. But you know what? For the listeners, I'll check out and I'll keep everybody updated. If I come across it, I'll uh, put a link up on my website to Amanda's shows and, and stuff so that anybody that's listening can catch up and you've got a huge presence on Facebook. So I'm sure is that stuff gets shared on there quite a bit as well. Yes, you can. I'm on, uh, I have a Cabela's Facebook page and also have my own Facebook page and I'm on Instagram, not a huge, huge crazy Instagrammer, but I'm on there and Twitter. I, I, I kind of like Twitter. Twitter's simple and easy you don't have to remember all these hashtags you got to put on instagram (laughs) i think that's where i fail greatly on instagram and is the proper hashtag (laughs) yeah it's just a learning experience and so again in the show notes for this i'll have links to all your social media and so anybody can reach out to you that way and it's really you've got a busy august coming up it looks like you've got both range days 
uh, coming up and you've got some fishing or I guess show appearances you're doing some different things. So you're, you've got quite a busy time period coming up for August. Yes, actually, July was pretty busy, too. And for August, I have a seminar at Cabela's because I am pro staff for Cabela's Canada. And I have the range day back to back in two different locations. And then right after that, following up, we have the major Owen Sound Salmon Spectacular Fishing Derby, which is something I'm fully involved in and absolutely have just grown this massive passion for catching these huge fish over the last couple of years. I'm, I've always been one of those like bush fishermen, you know, back your truck up and fish off the tailgate kind of fishermen. Two years ago was the first time I actually got onto a, a bigger bayliner boat and went into the Great Lakes and, you know, fished with downriggers and stuff and never done that before. Didn't even know what a downrigger was. Oh, yeah. And uh, now, oh my God. When can we go? <laughs> yeah, and not to mention the very first one that I caught, I caught a lake trout, and it put me on the leaderboard. So first year out in a derby catching big fish like that, and I'm on the leaderboard. Well, oh, my God, who doesn't want to try and beat your own, you know, your own score? No kidding. So, yeah. And have you managed to go <laughs> over doing any of the ice fishing on Lake Simcoe? No. Oh, yeah, no, I have. Absolutely. We've brought the kids out there to go ice fishing on Lake Simcoe when we were younger. Yeah, that's yeah. always a blast. Yes, it is. And so, absolutely. as you look, you've got all these neat things going on in Canada, but you don't strictly stay up there. Uh, you've got some pretty uh, big friends down here in the States that bring you down to my location, Texas, once or so a year. Do you not? I do. I am completely, I'm going to tell you this quick little story. Do you remember MySpace? Sure. Do you remember, do you remember the website myspace.com? Yes. Okay, so back when myspace.com came out and you could put your own profile on there and if you were a model or an actor or a singer or whatever, you, you had your profile. And a part of that profile said my idol. My idol has always been my dad and Chuck Norris. And the reason that Chuck Norris has always been one of my idols is because he's strong, he's quiet, and he's just he he just has so much like passion and heart for for everything that he's involved in. I mean, you can watch missing in action movies, and I grew up watching them with my dad because my mom wasn't really into those kind of movies, so I'd watch all these Chuck Norris movies with my dad, and my dad kind of I don't know it's kind of the same as Chuck Norris, right? Big tough guy. And so you'd watch these shows, and even though they weren't, like, Oscar-winning films, it was just how he acted and how he was, and it was just, Chuck Norris was cool, like, bad-ass cool, I don't care. And so he was always my idol, and going, so MySpace, I don't know when that came out, but it was years and years and years ago. And moving forward, a little more about this, but... I was diagnosed with Graves' disease around that same time and learning to struggle with that and getting into the fitness world and becoming athletic and, and doing all these things, I went and bought the Total Gym because Chuck Norris was on an infomercial using the Total Gym and I was like, are you kidding me? I need to go buy that thing. So I went and I bought it and I used it for a couple of years and, and it truly did work. Like It made me feel strong and look strong and lean and fit and I got into figure modeling and bodybuilding and then I started my own fitness magazine 
And when I started that, I had called the um, office of Total Gymming in California, and instead of getting a secretary, I actually got the inventor's wife, and her name is Joy. And her and I had this quick conversation about why I'm calling, what do I have to do with the Total Gym, and what do I want? And I basically said, well, I want to do an infomercial with Chuck Norris. You know what she said to me? She said, you have the biggest set of balls I've ever heard on a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what she said to me. And we've been nothing but close friends ever since that conversation. She and her husband have completely supported me through my fitness and health well-being. They've supported my fitness magazine, just, you know, like just, check this magazine out kind of deal, advertising free because the magazine was meant to inspire and share real stories of, you know, people that are struggling with ailments and stuff like that. So it was a big thing with her. And within that relationship, she actually invited me down to Kickstart Kids fundraising event, which is an event or an organization developed by Chuck and his wife, Gina, Norris and to be included in something like that just absolutely oh my god are you kidding yes I'm coming (laughs) so you go down to Houston and you go to this beautiful wonderful gala event and you meet these wonderful children and you watch their their demo and their their it's all karate based right martial arts and you watch them and and you watch them grow and I have this one young girl, I met her, oh, she must have been 11, and her name is Eurysi. And I've watched her grow into this young adult now. She's 19, and she's, in, she's, a, she's going to school to become a registered nurse. And so to, to be given this opportunity to be involved with people like Chuck Norris and, and get to go to these events and meet more extreme people has just been an, an, incredible, an incredible journey for me. So, yeah, I get to get to go down there once a year and 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 be involved in that very cool and yeah. yeah that takes a little bit of get up and go to just pick up the you know it's it's very cool that you got who you got when you called uh because that's really so- i know right i truly think that everything happens for a reason and i truly think that she was meant to answer that phone call that day well that's really neat so absolutely have you done any hunting down here in the states have you been able to hunt when you mm-hmm. come to texas no, but I still want to. I, I've been given a couple of different opportunities while I was visiting Houston. Uh, Joe Moe is a really good friend of mine. He's one state over, Louisiana, yes. and he's invited me down to do some hog hunting and and that, and I just haven't been able to get down there yet, well, but I want to. When you're ready, come on down. There's so many opportunities there's the hogs down here are like the bears up there. They're everywhere. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Just a neat place uh, to travel through the state, uh, the state I'm talking about Texas and just the country in general. So a lot of good areas to see and neat things to hunt, which is also most of that exists north of the border where you're at too. So it's really just a broad spectrum of animals for you to cover it. It's pretty got to be pretty neat in the TV industry to plan out every episode, what you're going to do and where you're going to go. I know it is. And it's uh, what is great about this, the way that they've outlined Canada hunts west and east is you're only entitled 
to do three episodes per one season, right, to kind of get the feel of it and how it's going to work, especially if you're new to the industry. And also the really great thing about it is that it allows room for new and innovative companies to sign on as a sponsor, which is an incredible model that they have. And it gives them a lot of growing space so that if you're very particular to one host on one of the shows and that show does really well and it spins off and breaks off into its own show, then if you've already been sponsoring that little chunk and you want to just concentrate on one on that one, when that show splits off to its own series, that sponsor is welcome to, you know, move over. And it's just the way that the whole thing is designed, is it's just, it's perfect for everybody involved. So um, 2019, we're talking about mine is going to have its own series, which is pretty exciting, therefore giving me more room to explore different hunting opportunities. Very cool. So how many episodes are for your first season then? Three? Three, yeah. Okay. So for three, and the other cool thing too is the second episode we did in season one was Range Day, so which has never been shown on television before, educating and bringing on a group of women that have never shot before. So they've actually, you don't see a whole lot of me, but they do showcase and feature three women during range day production and just showing them going through the steps and and how range day is put together and and how the girls feel after it's done and you know it's just an, it is an incredible episode because that is still part of the hunting industry sure. but it's never been shown on television before uh that's a great idea to to showcase that manufacturers you know the people you've partnered up with to use their equipment, they know that they have to broaden the market. And I, I don't know about the Canadian population, but here in America, roughly, oh, give or take about 10% hunts. So that opens up about 90% of the population that's not a hunter. Now, all that 90% is 90% is not anti-hunting. They're just not hunters. That's right. You don't want to let that market shrink. And realistically, even if the women that you introduce never hunt, they may take up trap shooting. They may take up archery shooting just for fun. They may take up any of those endeavors that get them outside, get their kids outside, expose their family members to it. So it's a great idea to, to showcase that on your show. It is absolutely everything you said is 100% true because 96% of the women that come through, and I've seen over 1,000 of them, have gone through to get their firearms and, and their hunting license. But that small percentage just has went to Cabela's and bought a bow and just kind of shoots it in their backyard, not really interested in doing you know too much of anything else. What do women love to do? They love to shop. And when they're introduced to something for the first time, that's what they're going to remember. So if they're shooting a Weatherby, they're going to go to the store and say, hey, I shot this 12-gauge pump Weatherby shotgun, and that's what I want to buy. Or I was at the archery range, and I shot this awesome bear archery bounty compound bow, and I loved how it felt, and that's what I want to buy. You know what I mean? So they're going to go out there, and they're going to look for what they've already been taught to learn to use. So... If you're a brand or a manufacturer of a product and you want to expose it more, you get it into the hands of women that have never experienced it. And Range Day is the best way to do it. Oh, that's a fantastic way. And I've got to imagine you pull up with a truck or two full of just gear. (laughs) 
one truck, <laughs> but there's only room in that truck for me. <laughs> yeah. It's such a neat exposure. And again, for the brands that go across and, and you've partnered up with, as you mentioned, some great brands in Weatherby, Cabela's, uh, and, and the list goes on. So those are bare archery. Uh, they're they're all good quality brands, so they're getting exposed to good stuff. You know, nothing more disheartening than to take somebody that's brand new at anything and put junk in their hands. It just sours the whole oh, experience. Yeah. That's right. Bear Archery and I have had a really good relationship the last three or four years. I actually have always been a gun hunter, and my son... I used to work in a in a gun store, so it was the gun room downstairs and the bow shop upstairs. And he, where he went to school, he could walk over to the Shooter's Choice and you know hang out until I was done work, which was usually about eight o'clock. So he, I set him up with a bow, his first bow. He had archery lessons. This was going back from when he was like ten, eleven years old. And then he would just come to the shop and he would shoot the bow upstairs for four or five hours until I was done work. And he got so, he's actually my archery instructor now. He is amazing. So he did that all the time. And then in the first year, I picked up a bow and I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. His archery instructor taught me a few things and then Mackenzie just ended up teaching me everything else. He actually became pro staff for Bear Archery at 15. Very he cool. was their youngest pro staff, yes. And I was just, they had, you know, donated a bow to myself to just, you know, let's put this bow in this in Amanda's hands who's always just been a gun hunter and see what happens. And, well, what happened? Oh, my God, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the challenge and, and the, just, you know, I would go bow hunting our bow season for deer starts October 1st and goes to the end of December, but I always used a crossbow. Well, it's so much more fun and challenging to use a compound bow and to be able to practice with that in the backyard and, you know, go through three dozen arrows and, and just, it's just so much fun. I love it. And now I'm completely hooked. And that was kind of their whole forte on that was let's put a, let's put a bow in someone's hands who's just strictly a gun hunter and see what happens. And so, yeah, absolutely, 100% will promote Bear Archery until the end of the world. Amazing company, amazing customer service, and amazing products. Well, yeah, and Bear's located out of Florida now, but originally they were, when Fred Bear had them and started them, they were in Detroit, which is where I was born, and then they moved up into Oh, Northern Michigan, and were manufactured in that area for years uh, until moving to Florida. So they're a they're a brand that I'm very familiar with, and I, I know have a great reputation for a, a great product. So that's very cool. And Fred Bear, like, how much more credibility do you need? Are you kidding? Like, look look up any of Fred Bear's quotes, and that is exactly that's exactly it. It's just so simple, you know. And there's. You can't even say anything else about it. <laughs> no, it's a quality product, so that's fantastic. So on top of these, now, because you've done three shows for this season, question for you on, on just hunting in general. Think back over the mm -hmm. years you've been hunting. What's one of your more memorable hunts? doesn't have to be your favorite, just okay. something that makes it really pretty cool and memorable. Uh, yep. So in, two, let me think, what year was it? 2000 and, I'm gonna say 2012. I go back home to do my moose hunt while well, I have for the majority. Except, anyways, 
95% of the time, I go back to Manitowoc to do my moose hunt. And in 2012, I brought Mackenzie up with me, and it was kind of a really snowy October, and I had I didn't have an adult tag. I went out to this one area, and I had known that there was a cow and twin calves there, so perfect. And when I say I don't have an adult tag, I don't know how it works down there or how people are known about it, but you, you enter a lottery to be drawn for a, a cow or a bull tag, and if you don't, you automatically receive a calf tag. So I went to the spot where I had already scouted a cow and twin calves, and I sat up in the in the morning and I waited. And I had seen a truck come in and go around. It, it was a big circle loop, but he had went around the backside of me. He was probably about 500 yards away from me. And about 45 minutes into the morning, I heard a shot. Bang, he had ended up shooting one of the calves. Fantastic. So I race around, go in behind him. And the whole loop itself is probably about seven kilometers long, right? So I go in, come up behind him, help him load the calf into the trailer, go home, have lunch. And um, he had said when he shot the calf, he had noticed there was a bull moose in the area. Okay, good to know. So I didn't think anything of it because I didn't have an adult tag anyways. So went back home, had some lunch, talked to Dad, you know, and decided I was going to go back out, asked Mackenzie if he wanted to come with me. No, I don't feel like it. Well, okay then. <laughs> so went back out about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, just hanging out by myself, went to the in-between where I was sitting in the morning and where he had harvested the calf that same morning. I just kind of sat up in the middle there. And I just for some fun, I, I, let, I, I started moose calling. And I was kind of hoping that the cow would bring out the, the other calf looking for her calf that she had taken from in the morning. That's right. So I kind of messed around there a little bit, and then I heard an answer, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. It was the bull moose, and I was like, what? No way. So again, and I'm just using my hands, so hand calling. So I called again, and he answered me, and it went on every 20 minutes like that for a couple hours, and then all of a sudden, he just, he was right there. He just came right out and said, hey, look at me, I'm here, and about 50 yards away from me, and I just stood there and and just looked at him, and it, it was just so cool because I was there by myself. Um, it was the very first time that I've ever called a moose out. I had absolutely zero witnesses, <laughs> which <laughs> sucked. And it was just getting dark, so you couldn't take pictures. I tried, but you couldn't see anything. And the whole experience was just, it was just for me, you know? There sure. was no nothing caught on film. And it's just something that plays in my head all the time, and... It was just amazing, and we hung out with each other for about half an hour. You know, I walked one way, he walked that way, and then I came back, and he came back, and he waved his antlers at me, and it was just, it was the coolest thing. It was just awesome. Well, I have friends that go up, thinking about heading up there as well, but they go up almost every year to White River for Black Bear. No way! Yeah, that's your neck of the woods. Yeah. We just uh, filmed season two. Uh, the the episodes for season two and it's funny because we left to go back home to Manitowoc for a bear hunt which is just past White River and we got there for opening day we were there the day before and we set up camp and it was one heck of a challenging we brought um I bought a brand new camper for this year to go up because I wanted to stay in the bush and not you know drive from town to bush uh -huh. and so we 
brought that up, and we had a really heck of a time trying to get it into the bush because the roads were just nasty, 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 thinking, like, there's still tons of snow on the ground. And we hunted that opening week, which is May 1st, and we hunted in snow, four inches of snow and mud, and we had, oh, it was just, you're going to have to watch the show because it was a disaster every day. (laughs) And then we waited about six weeks, and then we we took off and we went to uh, Alberta, and we finished filming that first episode in Alberta. And uh, completely different in the sense that if you're hunting Ontario bears, they are either going to come and say, hey, I know you're here and I'm going to eat you, or they're not going to show up at all. And in Alberta, they will sit right beside you and just hang out with you. (laughs) I couldn't believe the amount of bears that were just like, we were putting bait in the bait buckets and the bears were 10 feet away from us, just circling, waiting to get in. Like you're almost... You're pouring the bait in, and they're there. Pour it in my mouth, please, instead of the barrel. Like it was just incredible. I was sitting on. I wasn't in a tree stand. I was sitting on the ground, you know, twenty yards from this bait, and I had a bear two feet in front of the end of my barrel. She's just like, "Hey, how's it going?" Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that it's, doesn't happen in Ontario. It's crazy that when they become, when they know that the baits are coming out, and they, I've been told that they hear. You know, they can hear the trucks coming. Yeah. They know what one truck sounds like versus another truck, and they learn that that particular sound means, you know, that's the dinner bell ringing. It's really interesting to watch when they get like that. It's good. It's both good and bad uh, because, like you said, they're sitting there just waiting, and you're like, oh, man, this is. Yeah, that is true. Well, but so I've been bear hunting in northern Ontario for the majority of my life, and it's more of a challenging hunt because. They, they're they not stupid. They know, you know, what's up. And they, the trick is to, you bang a barrel, you put the bait in it, you get in your truck, you slam the door, you drive away. Or you slam the door, you drive away down the road a bit and sneak out of the truck and back into the tree stand or, or whatnot. They know that. They know the bang of the barrel. They know the slam of the door. They know the truck driving away. But in Alberta, they don't care. <laughs> they just want to eat. It was just. Yeah, and they didn't even care about you. You kidding? Whatever, take my picture, film me, do it. (laughs) (laughs) So you have your second three episodes filmed? No, I have one. Oh, you have one. I'm sorry. I have. Yeah, I have the. um, So for the for the this is for the 2018 season, right? So we're airing 20. We filmed in 2016 for 2017, and we're filming in 2017 for 2018. So the 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 episode that we just filmed for the bear hunt will air in March of this upcoming year. And so I have two more episodes I have to film this year, and I just don't know what I want to do yet. I might do a moose hunt in Quebec and maybe a waterfowl hunter with a country music artist, maybe, just for some spice and some fun. And I, and I always am trying to keep it, keep it real, keep it fun, and keep it entertaining but still, you know, and still hunting. So the the one thing I found about the whole waterfowl hunt is that you can go to many different locations. You can keep it quite local, and you can include other people. Plus, you can have fun while you're doing it because you don't have to sit quietly in a tree stand for, you know, X amount of hours. You're in a, you're in a lay-down blind or you're in the, the bushes or whatnot, and if there's no action, you can talk, you can have fun, you can, 
you know, like do those kinds of things. And it's just, it's, it's more appeasing to the eye when you're watching the show and you get to learn the, the characters' personalities. And I think that showcasing um, a Canadian country music artist or any music artist or whatever like that, that I can just see it becoming so much fun. You know, maybe you're writing a song while you're out there waterfowl hunting or you're singing an existing one or because every entertainer has that personality that is just, you know, full of energy. And that's what you want to see. And it's, I think it would be something really fun to work on. Oh, I think that would be a, a great episode. Cause like you said, they're entertainers. They know how to be on. And they, they have that outgoing, funny personality. So, yeah, I think that would carry over real well to an episode. Yeah, and then you might even hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> What's next coming up? Is You know, we've got all the events. What do you see in the grander scheme of things for Amanda Lynn? Any particular plans or, or projects you're working on that you want to talk about? Nothing new, just more of the existing stuff. So we have a few more range days coming up for the end, for the end of the season. We have two more shows that we'll be filming for coming up in October. So there's lots of time to try to plan which ones they are. We, what else do I have? Uh, starting for the beginning of the year. Um, actually, it might be a small, small potential possibility that I will be at the ATA show coming up in January and possibly shot shows. So you might see me at both of those shows. Yeah, then we're right in the show season again. So starting with Novisha, the Atlantic Sports Show, the Toronto Sportsman Show, you know, um, who knows? I might end up at the Calgary Sportsman Show. A lot of different appearances, a lot of public speaking, and a lot of meeting as many people as possible. And you never know, maybe I'll be able to do an episode down in Texas. There you go. And you might want to talk with some of your sponsors about working their booths down at the Dallas Safari Club Show. Dallas Safari Club show. You'll be uh, in good company. Your fellow, there's a lot of Canadians, but the the big one that everybody knows that everybody wants to see at the show is always, you know, Jim Shockey. Who's that? Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, you'd be in good company. Yeah, he was actually just in Toronto, I want to say in May, no, April, I think. He was in Toronto at the Safari Club international meeting that they had there. So that was pretty exciting for a lot of people that are in the industry up here in Ontario to, to come out and, and meet Jim Shockey at the show. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I've never personally met him. He's a nice guy. He was sitting there the whole time. There was a few of us that were talking, and he was sitting there, and every time his phone would ring, he would jump, and he'd be pulling his <laughs> phone up, and everybody's like, oh, don't mind Jim. He's on baby patrol. Eva was getting ready to have the baby, and every time the phone rang, he was not sure if the baby was being born. Oh dear! So, yeah. He was he was funny. I've never. Oh, I bet that would be exciting. I never met him. I have not met Jim Shockey yet, but I did end up getting an autographed photo for my husband for Christmas. Oh my God! Probably about six years ago, and he's got it framed in the hunting room. And uh, I did see him at Shot Show, but it was a very quick passerby because I was headed to a meeting, and he probably was too. And uh, other than that, haven't met either one of them yet, which is interesting because we're all on the we're all on the same Cabela's team, right? Right. So, so we're all pro staff for Cabela's. Yeah. Yep. So that's... maybe someday. Yeah, that's where you talk to. Cabela's has a fairly large presence at the show. So, yeah, it would be great to see you there. It's a fun show. It's a big show, probably 
similar to what you're used to with the Toronto show. Uh, just okay. a great time. But I really appreciate everything you've covered with the listeners and myself today. It was great to finally catch up with you in kind of person instead of just the Facebook stuff back and forth. And I wish you just continued success on what you're doing. And as a father with daughters, anything that sets a great role model for women in the industry and just setting a great role model for the industry as a whole is uh, got my thumbs up. And I, I really wish you the best of luck on everything. Oh, thank you so much. And it was a very incredible, enjoying talking to you. And uh, yeah, great show. Well, you've said it all. I appreciate your time. And we look forward to hearing more from you as, as we go forward. And uh, again, I can't thank you enough for your time. You have a great day. Thank you so much. And definitely anytime you want to chat again, give me a call. Sounds good. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye. Come early spring, it's getting green Fisher on the bed And hear those turkeys gobble It's ringing in my head The winter rides bass boat Here comes another year Yeah, we command the outdoors around here Oh, we Man, the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Come summertime, we're feeling fine, fishing on the lake, flipping jigs in Carolina rigs from early morning till real late. Bonfires on the creek bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands. The fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we. Yeah, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage. Cause we command the outdoors around here. We command the outdoors.